Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Proverbs 22. There are several scriptures we're going to refer to today. And this is probably the most unusual Mother's Day message you've ever heard. It's not directed just to moms, it's actually directed to every adult who has influence over a younger person's life. Every one of us have a responsibility to lead those who are coming behind us, to set the pace, to set the example, and to show them the way, to teach the principles of God. So this morning, the message is actually entitled, Things I Wish My Mother Had Taught Me. The girls shared with you things their mother did teach them. Now, that may not be true to each one of them, but I'm sure some of them resonate with Jennifer and with Alyssa. There's no doubt in my mind about that. But this morning, I want to talk to you specifically about things I wish my mother had taught me. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6 says these words, Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he's old, he'll not depart from it. Then you can read Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. It says, Love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Take heart to these words I give you today. Now listen to this phrase. It's italicized and underlined on the screen. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home or away. When you lie down or get up. Write them down. Tie them around your wrist. Wear them as headbands as a reminder. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. Moses was very strong when he wrote those words, encouraging parents to teach their children the ways and the things of God, to remember, in fact, what God had done for them and pass that on. However, the sad truth is there are many times in our lives, even as believers, where that concept doesn't resonate in our home where in fact parents are not teaching children to remember what God has done and what God has promised, they're actually doing the absolute opposite, even those who call themselves believers. Father, we pray this morning that your anointing would rest upon our lives, that you would take the words you've given me and make them words of life to those that are hearing, and that they may receive them and receive them in receiving them, Know the change that you've already desired to do in their life. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to talk a little about my mom today and the way I was raised and grew up and the things that I wish she really would have taught me. So hopefully you'll catch some of this and desire to instill it in someone that's following you. The notes for the message are on the app. If you would want to follow along, that's fine. Otherwise, you can refer to them later as well. My mom grew up extremely poor. She was the poorest of the poor. She told me stories about rats in their house and her dad at the time shooting them with a twenty-two rifle. She told me stories about not having enough food, not sure they would ever have anything to eat for lunch or for supper. She told me stories about the hardships that were upon their family and how difficult life was for her growing up. And then her dad died when she was 10 years old, had a massive heart attack and was gone. For about a year and a half or two years, her mother, widowed with four children, was simply trying to make ends meet and make life make sense for those kids. 
A year after her dad died, her older brother drowned. It's an amazing thing that even clear up to her death and beyond, she had the marbles he had in his pocket the day he drowned. She held on to those kinds of things. About a year and a half, two years after her dad died, then her mother married her dad's brother, who I knew as my grandpa growing up. And Grandpa Clark was a hard-drinking, hard man. His language reflected it in every way. I can remember being seven or eight years old, and they'd send me over there, and they sent me over there because Mom needed a break, to be real honest with you. They'd send me over to Enid, 60 miles away, to spend a few days with my grandparents, and when Grandpa Clark came home from work, he had opened the tab on a Coors and give me several drinks as well. And he'd say, you need to try this cigar, and he's the one who actually taught me a lot of things that I had to unlearn later in life. It wasn't good. My parents actually didn't grow up in church. They didn't actually come to know the Lord until they were in their late 30s. And at that point, they never released some of the things they carried with them through life. They carried a lot of that stuff into their child rearing and the way the five of us were brought up. There was no patience in our home. There was no kindness. There was no love expressed in any physical way until years later toward the end of their lives. I slept in her house, I ate her food, but I had no connection with my mother. She had a basic knowledge of the Word of God because she had been in church at that time for a number of years. But she really didn't understand how to apply God's Word. Now, there were several scriptures she memorized. One of them was Proverbs chapter 22, verse 15. A child's heart has a tendency to do wrong, but the rod of discipline removes it far away from him. I experienced that a lot growing up. And she memorized Proverbs 29, 15. The rod and rebuke bestow wisdom, but an undisciplined child brings shame to his mother. Several things I wish my mother would have taught me. I'm going to give you four this morning. By the way, in Father's Day, I'm going to do the same thing and tell you I wish the things I wish my dad had taught me. Talk to you about what he did teach me and what I wish he would have taught me. Because I believe there's a lesson here for every person in this room who has someone following them. Number one, I wish my mother would have taught me grace. And I don't mean to be graceful. I'm not talking to be able to do a twirl like a ballet dancer. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about living a life that is grace-filled. Grace-filled. Reacting to others in situations that are difficult or challenging with grace. That's a gift. That's a character trait that has to be developed in you and I. It's not natural. Listen to me. It doesn't come just because you got saved. Grace and living in grace has to be developed in you. It has to be practiced and modeled before you so you can see the power of grace and what God can do when you and I choose to live in grace. Rather than responding in anger or retaliation, grace allows us to treat others in a better way. I've thought so many times how different my life, early life, would have been, early life, I mean teen and young adult, if I could have learned this lesson as a child growing up, 
I'd have a lot less scars if that would be the case. A lot less destroyed relationships if that were the case. See, because grace is positively giving to others what they do not deserve. And that's what God has done for you and me. You know that, right? Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it's by grace you are saved through faith. God gave to us what we do not deserve, and that was an opportunity to be forgiven. So when we understand that God models this through Jesus Christ, it then becomes our responsibility as believers to model the same lifestyle. A lifestyle of grace. Giving to someone else what they don't deserve. Showing them grace. Showing them love. Showing them kindness. Showing them a road of forgiveness. Jesus said it this way from Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. And this is the message translation. It says, are you tired and worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me. You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. And I love this phrase, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. You'll learn to live freely and lightly. I love those two phrases. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. In other words, he's saying to us very clearly, if we'll hang out with him, he's going to make a change in the way we see things, the way we react to things, the way we deal with things. Discouragement doesn't become our bedfellow. Anger, hostility doesn't become our character trait, but grace fills us. And grace enables us to live with those around us. If you've ever been in a relationship of any kind, and that's everybody in this room, now, I'm not talking about a romantic relationship. I'm talking about being, walking with another human being at some level. If anybody has ever been in the relationship, you know and understand that in every relationship, grace is required. Because if you don't live in grace, you're going to destroy, splinter, break apart that relationship, and it will not last. It doesn't matter how much you say you love that person. Without grace being exercised, listen to me, love is not enough. Love is not enough. You have to learn, we have to learn to walk in grace. I wish my mother would have taught me to live in grace. Number two, I wish my mother would have taught me to live in mercy. Mercy is not giving to others what they do deserve. I'm so thankful for the mercy of God, because without the mercy of God, every one of us would be doomed and destined to a devil's hell. But in his mercy, he chose to offer a way of redemption so that you and I could come to him and our lives could be changed. He doesn't give us what we deserve. Now, I know there are some of you, maybe not in this room or online, but there are some believers who think, I don't deserve anything negative. Have you looked in the mirror lately? Have you really checked your life? I'm here to tell you, I need the mercy of God. I need to know and understand and receive it from Him and from you. And in order to receive it from Him and for you, I have to reciprocate mercy to you. I have to live in mercy, show mercy, display mercy every single day of our lives. How do we know that we're not living in mercy? 
because we get angry all the time at other people. And then we want retribution or retaliation or vengeance. You see, any time we allow anger to grow within us, it turns into bitterness, and bitterness then turns into hatred. And you know what Jesus said about that? It's just like murder. It's destructive to our lives. So in order to avoid that destruction, we need to learn to live in mercy, giving to others what they don't deserve. What they don't deserve. You've all heard of the Hatfields and McCoys, right? One of the most famous feuds in the United States that went on for years, shooting at each other, killing each other. Well, I grew up with the feud between the Pattersons and the Pages. Pattersons was my dad's side. The Pages were my mom's side. They were my great-grandparents. They actually homesteaded in western Oklahoma side by side. Now, my great-grandfather on my dad's side, Grandpa Patterson, was a Sooner. He went into Oklahoma before the land rushes illegally, staked his claim illegally. And then after the land rushes, he came back in only to find that my great-grandpa Page had tried to jump his claim, steal it from him. He ran him off with a shotgun. The feud lasted for years, hating each other, despising each other. The Patterson saying the pages were thieves and liars and you couldn't trust them. And the pages saying the Patterson were rascals and did things illegal and you couldn't trust them. Probably both was true, to be honest with you. My great-grandpa Patterson lived to be 103. I knew him very well. I sat at his feet many, many times and listened to the stories he told from the 1800s and early 1900s when he lived in western Oklahoma. That feud wasn't resolved until my mom and dad got married in 1948, an amazing thing. It went on over 60 years, fighting with one another, hating one another, feuding with one another. You see, when we understand mercy, we do not adopt the attitude, don't step on me because I'm going to step back harder. But we give people what they deserve, don't deserve. Mercy tells us to turn the other cheek. That's a whole other teaching. I don't have time to develop it today, but that's what Jesus said. If someone offends you in a social setting, turn the other cheek. Allow them to do it again. It's not worth fighting over. Mercy tells us this is the way to live. James chapter 2, by the way, there's a great class on the book of James every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock in room 103. You should be in it. James 2.13 says, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Listen to the last line. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Now, I don't know about you, but when I stand before God, I want to have mercy and not receive judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Micah 6.8 says, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? To act justly to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Do you know what he said? The Lord requires you to love mercy. This isn't optional. It's a requirement. And if we're going to receive mercy, we also have to give mercy. We have to allow people to understand, I'm going to give you what you don't deserve. Because I want to receive what I don't deserve. I thought when I was preparing this message, how better my life would have been if I would have learned this at a very early age. My mom, and I'm convinced it's simply because she wanted to get me out of the house, 
sent me to first grade when I was barely, when I was five years old, barely. And every day for the first six weeks of school, we lived 17 miles from Fairview, and that's where the school was at. We didn't have a phone in our house, so if someone would get a hold of us, they had to call the neighbor. The neighbor would come to our house and tell us what the message was. Every single school day for the first six weeks of school, I threw a fit because I didn't want to be there. I'd crawl out of that classroom, I'd yell, I'd scream, I'd holler, I'd made everybody's life miserable because I didn't want to be there. I was too young to be in school. And every day for six weeks, the school would call our neighbor Don Turner and Don would drive to our house and tell my mom and my mom would get in her car and drive the 17 miles to Fairview. And by the time she got there, she was madder than a wet hen, if you know what I mean. And then again, I received that rod of discipline. She grabbed me by the ear after she spanked me and took me back to the class and said, you got to stay here. And again, I think it's because she just wanted to get rid of me. I wish my mother would have taught me mercy. Number three, I wish my mother would have taught me forgiveness. Forgiveness can sometimes seem very, very complicated. And the process can be painful to those involved. But when, Je when Peter asked Jesus, how many times do I need to forgive my brother a day? Seven times? That's what the law said. Jesus said, no, no, Peter, you don't get what I'm teaching you. It's not seven times a day you should give your brother or sister. It's 70 times seven. Do the math. He's saying 490 times a day, you got to forgive that person for doing the exact same thing. In other words, your forgiveness to one another should be unlimited and unrestricted. It shouldn't be something that you somehow codify and then legislate, but it should come from your heart. And then to illustrate that, he told the parable of the unjust servant. It's recorded in Matthew chapter 18. He said there was a king that was departing to a far country. He wanted to settle accounts with all of his servants. He called one servant in. And told him he needed to pay him what he owed. The Bible says that he owed him 10,000, 10,000 talents. Hard to really know exactly how much that is, but roughly in today's dollars, it's two and a quarter billion dollars. Remember, this is a parable. So Jesus is using a hyperbole and exaggeration to teach this point. And it says that the master, because the servant fell on his knees and begged for compassion, the master forgave him that debt. Then that very servant went out and found another servant who owed him money. It says he owed him a denarii, and that is equivalent to 20 bucks in today's value. And he said to him, pay me what you owe me, or I'm going to throw you in prison. And the man said the same thing, please have mercy. Show me compassion. But the unjust servant refused to do that, and he had the man thrown into prison. When the other servants, Jesus said in this parable, saw what happened, they went back to the king, and they said to him, this is what the servant did. And the Bible says very clearly, then the king put him to the torturers until he could pay the debt. You see, because he refused to show the same forgiveness that he had been given, he received a very harsh punishment, something that was extremely difficult at that point in time. Tom, would you come back? 
You and I need to learn to practice forgiveness for several reasons. Number one, Jesus said, if you don't forgive others, your Father who is in heaven won't forgive you. I wish I would have learned forgiveness, but I didn't. What I saw in my home was my mother feuding with her sisters all the time. There'd be times when they wouldn't even speak to each other for years because they refused to forgive. Saw it happening on my dad's side of the family as well, again and again. We had Sunday dinner every day at my dad's mother's home, Grandma Georgie's home. Every, every single week, the whole family came. Dad had uh, two sisters and two brothers. All of them were there with all of their kids. And it was amazing to me that they'd sit at the same table and not speak one to another. Forgiveness. We've got to learn to forgive. I wish I would have learned forgiveness at an early age. And number four, lastly, I wish I would learn to be a peacemaker, not a troublemaker. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Romans chapter 14, verse 19 says, So then we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Romans 12, 18, the apostle Paul said, If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. See, I grew up in an environment where peace was very elusive. If it came, it was only for a moment, and then it was gone. I have scars all over my body from those four sisters who tortured me and tormented me. I kid you not, it was not a place that you wanted to grow up. When I was four years old, I believe, my oldest sister would went out to uh, bring in the cows so they could milk, and she was holding up a barbed wire fence for me to crawl under. Just as I got underneath it, she dropped it, and the barbs and that wire cut me from here to here. Put her to the bone. I didn't go to the doctor. You know what my mom said? Essentially, suck it up, cupcake. She said, stop bawling. I'm going to bandage you up. You're going to be fine. Not what a four-year-old wants to hear. I could tell you story after story that happened in that time. And those things made me not a peacemaker, but a troublemaker. The tempo that was set in first grade when I was beaten every day for six weeks carried with me through all my school career. And 95% of those kids in that first grade classroom were still there when we graduated as seniors. I wish that would have been a peacemaker, not a troublemaker. Through the years, I've tried to go back and make amends and tell people I was sorry and please forgive me. Some did, some didn't. But it's our role as believers to be peacemakers, not troublemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Ushers, come this morning, please, with the elements of communion. I want you to let this message resonate for just a couple of moments. Let it sink into your heart and ask yourself, do I need to learn to live in grace? Do I need to learn, learn to live in mercy? Is there someone I need to forgive? And do I need to practice the discipline of being a peacemaker? You made it to the end of the message, and now what? Is God leading you to make a change? Are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ? 
then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sharer Road in Tallahassee, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 10.30 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.